Wherever you are, make it, make it TV. Welcome to the Revolutionary Radio Project here on TFR. Thank you guys so much for joining us this evening. I don't know what it's like where you live out there, but boy, it's cold here. And that's uh, that's saying something here in Texas. It doesn't typically get very cold, but either that or I've just been here for too long. I've been living here since uh, 2003, and perhaps my cold tolerance isn't what it used to be when I lived up in Massachusetts, but man, it's cold here Uh this evening. So uh, anyway, I'm excited to get started with uh, this evening's broadcast. My guest is Andy Hoy, and uh, I got a book here um, that he sent to me a while back. It's called The House of El Shaddai by Andrew L. Hoy, God's Dwelling Place Reconsidered. And it's a really nice, if you can see this, those who are watching on YouTube, hardcover book. With uh, it's all full color with illustrations and everything, and I was like, man, as soon as I got this book, uh, we put it as a centerpiece on our living room table. Uh, for anybody that comes over our house, they'll see that book there, and uh, certainly brings up some good discussion. And I've been ever since I got the book, been thinking, man, I gotta get Andy on so we can continue this dialogue. And um, Zen had to cancel this evening; he couldn't be with us for our, our usual uh, study of the book of Genesis. So uh, we're taking a rain check. Uh, we'll be, we may uh, go ahead and do a show uh, on YouTube or something, uh, or just pick up on his show next Thursday on TFR. Uh, one way or another, we'll be back on that study soon. He just couldn't do it this evening. So sort of a last minute thing. I called, uh, texted with Andy like, Hey, can you do it tonight? He's like, yeah, sure. I'm like, all right, awesome. <laughs> so it is my privilege to bring Andy Hoy back on to the revolutionary radio project. Hey Andy, how you doing, man? Good night, Rob. How are you doing? Doing good. Yeah, it's been a while. Cold. Yeah, what's it? Where are you living now? Uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. It's cold up there too, huh? Yeah, probably. Uh, probably under ten right now. I'd guess so. <laughs> it's colder there, under ten. Yeah, we uh, we're somewhere between twenty and thirty here. It's it's below freezing here, but um, which doesn't typically happen too often uh, in Texas. Uh, so people just aren't used to it here, but. Yeah, that's you guys up north are probably like, yeah, shut up. <laughs> You've had a lot more cold weather than we've had, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, man, excited to have you on. It's been a while. Uh, you've you've been on the program a few times before, but just for people who are new here and not familiar with who you are and and, and your work, if you could give us a little bit of a uh, review of your background, you know, um, a little bit about yourself and your experience and what led you into doing the uh, Project 314 thing in the first place. Sure. Um, as Rob said, my name is Andrew Hoy. I'm a engineer and founder of Project 314. Uh, Project 314 in a nutshell is all about uh, tabernacle rediscovery, research, and restoration. And I founded this project uh, right after my accidental re rediscovery of the Exodus Tabernacle. Uh, which I proved to be a dome structure, uh, again, based on the 
the pi constant. I, I found the, the pi constant in the book of Exodus and said, this is interesting, and uh, what does this mean? And looked at rearranging some of the parts, the curtains, and, uh, and voila, I realized that it, uh, it hasn't been represented as intended for uh, well over 2,000 years. Now, that has obviously got to be a controversial thing. There's so many people, I mean, uh, that are really locked into the rectangular box model out in the wilderness. I mean, if you look at any textbook or any illustrated Bible or, you know, go to Israel, <laughs> uh, that's all you're going to see. You're going to see this rectangular box thing with uh, lots of layers of cloth on the top of it and whatnot. And, you know, as a Hebrew scholar yourself and as a structural engineer, uh, as I recall the story, you're looking at that and going, well, I mean, a box is the least structurally sound thing you can make. And wait a minute, it looks like they're adding tent pegs and ropes and things that aren't in the itemized shopping list that uh, Yahuwah gave to Moses and Bezalel as they were, you know, uh, constructing this thing. And, you know, of course, Torah tells you specifically, do not add to and do not subtract from the Torah, the five books of Moses. And here's one of the most important things in the Torah, right? The tabernacle, the dwelling place of Yahuwah himself, and they're adding stuff. <laughs> so, Walk us through that a little bit as, you, as you know, what was your thought process when you kind of you're looking at the text, you're looking at the models and with your own background and experience, you know, what went through your head that, that made you say, wait a minute, something's off here. Yeah, um, I guess just just as a point, I, I don't really consider myself a Hebrew scholar. I'm more of a hobbyist, but uh, I did spend time in Israel learning Hebrew um, at university and, and uh, other uh, institution. But um uh, and, and for the record, I'm also a mechanical engineer where we, we do do studies on structures, but um, you know, as far as that, that being a particular specialty, but I, I've had enough statics and strengths and materials courses and all that to, to do this. I mean, it's, it's the same, same math, same methods uh, that we would use, but um, again, it's just a matter of, of uh, genuine specialty. But uh, So I wanted to set the record straight, but um, yeah, getting into the, the design, um, you know, we get kind of conditioned just seeing this. I, I call it the shoebox, um, very affectionately, um, yeah. uh, because that's that's what the thing looks. You can maybe call it a, a saltine box, maybe um, perhaps a, a Winnebago. It looks a little bit like a Winnebago um, <laughs> as far as the uh, the aspect ratio, the proportion. But uh, really, um, once you start to realize what they have done, um, it's just because they were they were very indifferent and lazy uh, when it came to assembling the curtains. Um, you know, the, these fabrics that everyone thinks, it's like, oh, it's, they're no big deal. Um, actually, uh, what the Hebrew refers to in Exodus 26.1 is ma'asach uh, hashav, which is basically a thoughtful work. You know, these, these curtains are actual engineered parts. And, um, you know, people get bored of uh, maybe me talking about curtains, but I have, uh, you know, art scroll material here. Um, you know, Ramban and all this. Oops, it's... Uh, um, these guys, they really don't spend time uh, talking about the curtains. And why? Because they don't understand them and they don't give them the due respect. Um, so, so from that, everything just uh, unfolds in a really bad way for them. And they're, they're trying to force a paradigm and they, they make the, the translation then match the paradigm. Uh, so this is where it, it gets really, you know, really atrocious that, uh, uh, and, and it is terrible engineering, you know, the, the way that you'd shape this, the way that you allocate materials, none of it, none of it corresponds with reality or history or cultures or anything like that. So, 
uh, just dogma. Well, and the, and the other thing, when you're looking at all the multiple layers of cloth on there, uh, you know, Torah is very specific about issues of mold. You know, like that becomes a problem. And it would seem to me that if you've got multiple layers of cloth on top of each other, if things get wet out there, uh, I mean, between the, just the elements and wind and rain and things like that and sharp corners and the, the fabric on the corners rubbing in the wind as the box is shaking and just the, the the level of mold they would have to deal with. I mean, it seems like you'd always have to be shaking that thing out, laying out the, the fabric to dry all the time. I mean, the more I looked at your model, the more practical sense it made, uh, you know, just in terms of things like that. Was that some of the things that you were thinking about as well? Well, not initially, but uh, getting into this this idea of what this is all about, you know, this, this design and, and the roof in particular, uh, that is where I started with this is is looking at the the corners, looking at the connections of of everything. you know how how are these these things fastened to the um, to the structure? Uh, are they just draped over? Are they pulled over? Are they tensioned? I mean, you you have to you have to make some sort of decision, and what you'll see, uh, I challenge anyone to to crank up a Google image search right now and type in tabernacle and and see all the the different ways you know they they can't agree on anything but the fact that it, it looks like a box and it's in this boxy courtyard these are the only things that the scholars agree on with this and uh, if you start looking at this this issue you know a, a double a double layer leather roof you know what sense does that make um, would it be water be seeping through the seams um, you know I, I do joke about calling this this design a shoebox but there are a couple other variants you know some of them uh, do present it as an A-frame, and then they add magical different materials to in order to, to make that A-frame. So it's pitched like a, you know, more conventional, uh, like an A-frame type tent. Um, and so, you know, that's as practical as it is. It's like, okay, well, how does the text describe that? Well, it, it doesn't describe it that way. Mm -hmm. And so this goes back to their, they're trying to interpret what they don't understand, and they don't understand because they they didn't uh, you know they didn't listen to it right. This is one big game, as Simon says. Except for Simon is not Simon; it's El Shaddai. El Shaddai says to Moses, "Do it this way," and um, and it just the lack of following these very very exacting instructions is is what's got them all turned upside down. Well, and that's a really good point uh, that I keep running into with my studies and my frustration constantly when I listen to otherwise, you know, what I consider to be brilliant scholars out there, when they like, it's like here's what the text says. Anybody can read it for themselves. We have the online tools that you can use to read the Hebrew, look in the Hebrew, look at the meaning of the word, the Greek, and stuff like that. And they'll write everything off to. I mean, they do all these tap dance routines about. Well, the Bible is not really about this. It's theological messaging and it's poetic. It's all poetic. It's allegorical, metaphorical doctrine of accommodation. You know, I'm like, does anybody believe the Bible anymore? Like that's what I'm. You know, I don't believe in the Mandela effect, but I have this strange memory as a child growing up being taught in church that I should take the Bible literally. My entire life I heard that, and now when I try to do that, everybody's calling me a heretic, calling me all kinds of stuff, and, and it's like I'm just reading what it says here. And you've got to probably run into this yourself, where who are you, right? I mean, thousands of years scholars have believed this. You know, the hubris. You know, you must be like, who do you think you are? And you're like, look, I'm just a dude reading the Bible, man. This is what it says. You know, I, I find, Rob, that the, the ignorant people are very polite. Uh, and by that, I mean to say that they don't have the courage or the knowledge base to come and challenge this. 
Um, you know, and I'll, I'll say this, put this out there right, right here now, any pastor, rabbi, uh, whichever, whoever, um, you know, you want to, you want to go toe to toe on this, um, on this, on all these details, um, any day I'll, I'll do it, uh, you know, one eyelid, uh, tied behind my back and, um, cue the Rocky music. Let's go. So, um, you know, you know, they, they just, they have no idea what they're getting into and, um, you know, most of the time, you know, who who looks at this, uh, you know, pastors, rabbis, uh, would you go hire a rabbi to, to work as an electrician to, to to wire your house? Would you would you want a pastor, um, you know, working on the, uh, um, you know, your grading plan or, or um, you know, your your framing for your attic? I mean, this is this is where they haven't yielded. Uh, acknowledge their their knowledge limitations and and just yielded expertise to someone who's technical. You know, mm. um, and instead, you know, again, as it gets back into this, well, you know, who did you know? And you know, this goes all the way back to Josephus' time. So, uh, the very first time I presented in 2015, um, uh, that was that was one of the questions right out of the gate, right out of the hole. Like, um, you know, well, you know, how come the how come the Jews don't know it or, or Jews don't say it? Um, and, um, you know, I, I actually went to Israel, um, I guess, uh, is, you know, part of this project. I spent six weeks there, and in all that time, I, I didn't, um, you know, that's since I was living there, since the discovery, you know, I, I made the discovery after I was, I was living there. But, um, you know, for, for, for that, spending six weeks and, and not having anyone, um, you know, being able to, to, um, to challenge or to you know un, uh, to refute me, and you know I, I brought like a five-page set in, of uh, drawings in Hebrew. This this set that um, you know this is uh, what I gave to to Rob early on. Oh, this is um, it's not coming through with a. Let me try this way. Yep. Um, close well, enough to the key. <laughs> the the magic, yeah, the the chroma key is not liking yeah. that, but um. Anyway, a drawing set that I had sent to you, Rob, I, I had a, a version of that just as all in pure Hebrew. And I'm like, uh, uh, you know, Tirei, Yeshpo, Yeriot, Yeshpo, Kerashim. And, you know, they're just nodding their head, yes, 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 because, you know, my, 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 um, my bumpy Hebrew, they're, they're still catching it. And they're, they're acknowledging all these, these parts that I'm saying. And, like, after I walk them through this, sometimes they'll go, oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, then the ones who are, are, are a little bit uncertain think I got something going maybe, um, you know, they end up going to um, say, well, you know, you, you just ask my rabbi, you know, and, and then it's like, well, you you know, send me on this wild goose chase and then, then you talk to their rabbi. It's like, well, I don't know. I'm not a subject matter expert. Let's kick the can further down the road. Mm. Um, so it's it's just the scholarship when it comes to the tabernacle is just laughable. Um you know, I stopped in just about every bookstore that I could when I was in Israel looking for books on the tabernacle. You know, I found four and I brought them home and um, they really don't focus on it. You know, the, the, the Torah portions that they read for, you know, the liturgical Jewish reading cycles of, of the Bible, um, you know, they cover the tabernacle. That is one twenty-fifth approximately mm. of their entire um, their entire liturgical year. So, um you know that's that kind of amounts to you know two weeks a year, and um, you know from that you know do they specialize on that? No, you you find 
you know, shelves and shelves of books on other things and, and quite possibly the temple. You know, they, they tend to like the temple better than the <clears throat> tabernacle because, you know, it's Judah's glory, you know, mm-hmm. is, is what the, the temple was. Uh, that was that was their heyday, whereas, you know, technically the, the tabernacle, well, we're slaves, we're living in the desert, we don't like that so much. So, you know, there's, there's not reminiscing of the glory days of the tabernacle as much, even though this is the, those were the greater glory days, so. Mm. Um, that's hard for them to to get in their mind, I guess. So, as I understand it, and as I remember the story, you're looking at the curtains. You know, you're looking at all these models. And you're like, eh, something's not right here. I mean, they're adding stuff, and you know, all kinds of differences from what the. the I mean, Moses was shown something. That I believe he was shown probably the model of the earth, frankly, but he was shown something in the heavenlies that he was told to emulate here on earth with very specific instructions that he gave with an itemized shopping list, and which means you don't add to it, don't subtract from it. This is these are the this is the Lego box set, right? These are all the parts. This is what this is all you need. And and as you're looking at all these other models, you're like, well, they got more than what the text says right here, and you're scratching your head. And as I remember the story, you're like, well, what's the, what is the deal here? What where where did they miss it? And you're looking at the description of the curtains, and it says to connect the curtains, but it's not specific. It doesn't say. You're like they're, they're long rectangular strips, but do you connect them at the long end? If you do, you get a rectangular box. Or what if you connected them at the short end? Like, is that sort of the you know almost like childlike thought process going? Well, what if I just did it this way? And what would? And then boom, like this six-story high dome tent pops up. Yeah, uh, numerically, that's kind of where, where I where I'd started off. You know, I I by no means set out one day to say, hey, I'm going to re-engineer the tabernacle because I'm an engineer and I'm smarter than all these people. You know, <laughs> frankly, it was so far below my radar, I didn't get a rip about it. Um, and I say that, you know, in in uh, a, a little bit of embarrassment, but um, definitely a matter of confession. And I think. I think a lot of people can relate to that because it's like, well, what, what does this matter? You know, they, they built this funny tent in the desert, big deal, you know. Mm. And and this this really, um, I guess, like to, you know, get into the why here at some point of why all this matters. People are like, oh, it's just the shape. It doesn't really matter. You know, it just was that way, and that's how it was. And who cares if it's round because it's not a salvation issue. And let's let's move on to something more important, you know. Um, this is so uh, so typical of, of, of the, the attitudes that I encounter, but... Um, going back into this this issue and the question of, of curtains, um, I will go and, and, and correct myself in that. Um, when I when I first was was on your show, you know, there's there's just so many details in the text that are small that you don't really uh, fully grasp. And you know, I'm obviously e, uh, EFL. I'm not ESL, uh, English first language, not English second language, um, which frankly gives me an advantage um, when looking at the Hebrew because. I gotta, I gotta break it down. You know, it's all, you know, getting into the the granular things. You know, it's like, you know, what are what are similes and idioms and, and things like that. Um, you know, so I'm I'm um, you know rolling up my sleeves and I'm I'm picking apart each word. And it's like, well, what does this word really mean? And what does this word really mean? Um, and um, you know, some of these words aren't really used in in uh, the other, the rest of the Bible, the, the Hebrew words that is, and. Um, Oh, getting back to the curtain. So the curtains it refers to is, is kaitsona. Kaitsona is the um, is the the term you, you know where where you're to be joining these curtains. Um, and if you look at uh, you know this idea of kites, uh, this is where we get our English word cuts from, uh, which comes from the Hebrew root uh, katsats, 
and uh, Kaitsona, um, I, I believe that to be referring to the cut edges of the tabernacle. And um, a lot of times, if you take a look at what where they're going uh, with that with that uh, curtain detail, um, they basically translate that as hem or seam or something like that. And it's like no, it's not the hem or seam. And if, if you do loom, uh, loom weaving, you know you you have like a long um, you know section of uh, let me see where my camera frame is here. Um, you got basically two posts uh, that you that you span string in between. You, you you weave it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and and so from there, that's that's called the warp. That's the longer uh, fabric stretch, and from that they run a shuttle block back and forth, like kind of like a serpentine. That's um, that that shuttle. That's the uh, the uh, we get the warp and the weft. So that that um, when you weave it back and forth. Those are the edges that are not cut because otherwise your fabric would all fray. Okay, mm. so this is basic loom weaving. Um, so, you know, people who are illiterate, who are you know weaving in India or China or, or wherever by hand or Egypt, um, you know, they have a better understanding of of, of Kitsona than than do these these scholars who are who are trying to pick at the text. So, um, so again, I'm I'm standing corrected, correcting myself. But I was I was asking the question at the time. Well. Which way do these go? And when it comes to that, um, you know, that arrangement, you know, I, I first began because I, I saw just the, the raw numbers there because I was putting it in a spreadsheet, wondering how these 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 overlap because there's there's two curtain sets and you can kind of see behind me in the uh, in that um, in the backdrop picture here, um, we've got a colored set and there's there's ten of these colored sets and then. Um, beyond that, there's uh, the the white uh, set that's all all around a circumferential uh, courtyard. Um, so those, there's a set of eleven, and there's a set of uh, ten. The eleven ones are the the ones that um, you know th those are the ones that add up to pi or the three fourteen number. And the, uh, the the colored ones, there's just ten of those, and and the the ten are listed first. And so because you got an offset between the uh, the lengths as well as the um, uh, quantities. So you got 10 that measure 28 long, and then you've got 11 that measure 30 long. And so I'm looking at this wondering exactly how these overlap. And this is where if you go back to your Google image search and you start looking at these tabernacle models of how do they have this represented? You know, the, the what, what supposedly two layers of, of uh, curtains. Um, yeah, if you, if you have this this image up here, another second, Rob. We we've got the you know that that outer courtyard set, um, which which measures 314 cubits in circumference. Hmm. Um, that is uh, described as being uh, put uh, alt um, You know, it's just, uh, up, over the side or around the side, um, and they actually put that on the roof of the tabernacle. And this is this is one one of their it's the second of four layers in their mind, you know. So, you've got these these two uh, two um, two layers of fabric which are dimensioned, and, and they make an assembly. And again, it talks to make it talks about making these curtains all the same, you know, each of them the same. So if each of them has loops uh, on the outer edge, and I guess I think King James, as I recall, is is it, it's referring to the outmost edge. Or the uttermost edge, or something like that. Um, so, if we're looking at, you know, uh, reaching out, like, like in a, in a stretch direction, um, if you've got loops on both edges, that, and you're supposed to connect it to an adjacent curtain, well, by all means, that has to either be a, a polygon or a circle. 
And mm. so this is just one of these these little details that no one really thinks about or, or pays attention to. But when you when you make yourself out of these curtains a rectangular swatch that you want to use as a roof, um, now you have um, you know the the edges where okay uh, if you're if you're butting them all together, then then the two on the on the very ends they don't have any place to attach to. Um, so we're, we're left in this whole, um, you know, well, how do we make use of these loops if we're supposed to make the curtains all the same, same length, and, and make both edges 50 loops for, for uh, interconnecting to the adjacent curtain? It has to be a polygon or it has to be a circle. Mm. That's simple. That's so cool. That's so fascinating. And yet it's so simple. You know, like you said, you're looking at it like, ah, I mean, it's got to be, that's what it is. Uh, we're about two minutes before we go to break. Um, uh, before we go to break, why don't you tell everybody where they can get your information, where they can uh, visit your website and get your book and stuff like that. And then when we come back from the break, we'll talk about the why, because that's real important. Like, why why, why are we even talking about this? Why is this important? So uh, why don't you tell people where they can get your stuff? Yep, the, the why is extremely huge, and it's, it's something that I've, I under... Um have underplayed in the times past and I really want to emphasize that a lot but you can get my book at uh, you know, it's basically project314.org there's a, a shop page you see a little cart up on, on the top and everything so that's one place to get it um, I've also got that bundled with an upcoming webinar um, that I'm starting as of this Sunday but um, oh, let's see apart from that there's a company that starts with A that tends to hate free speech <laughs> that I'm uninclined <laughs> to mention at this point <laughs> so yeah um, you could probably get it at Barnes and Noble. I'm sure you can. Actually, it's available um, in many uh, countries of the world. You can you can order it direct out of uh, Australia, New Zealand, you, you know, in Europe and and uh, in Asia. There's there's printers all over. So this is a you know it's a lower volume print on demand type thing right now. But uh, hopefully that'll change as as people awaken to this truth here. So yeah, fantastic. And for those who are on YouTube, they can see this. You know, here I got the book right here in front of me. Again, it's a it's nice, good sized tabletop book, full color, hardcover, and uh, you know inside. I mean, this is. Did you do all the layout in this stuff? This is just like beautiful. Yes, I did indeed. Yeah, this is very well laid out, very artistic, and got all kinds of uh, you know diagrams on how to put it together and the measurements and stuff. So, something definitely check out project314.org. And uh, we're about ready to go to break here. We come back from the break. We'll talk about why is this important? Why should we be concerned with this at all? So, stand by. We'll see you back in just a few minutes. Extendivite is more than just a heart tonic. Do you have any of these symptoms? Night cramps in the hands and feet. Your arms and legs often go to sleep. On short walks, do your legs get aches and pains? Is your memory worse than it used to be? Ankles that swell late in the day? Has your blood pressure increased lately? If you answered yes to even one of these questions, you may have early warning signs of arterial blockages. Your body is saying that it is time to take Extendivite. These are not the normal signs of aging. They are the warning signs that accompany blocked arteries. Get your Extendivite today. Extendivite is available in capsule or liquid form for just $69.95 for a two-month supply. 
To get started, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendo Hey, folks. Guess what the number one phrase that Life Change Tea receives by email? You ready? We love this tea. We love this tea. Time after time, week after week, we love this tea. Life Change Tea gives you more energy, a beautiful cleansing, and fulfills its slogan perfectly, the tea that makes you go. So if you want to be on your health game, log on to GetTheTea.com and order Life Change Super Strength Tea. Packages come in a one-month supply, and when you brew this stuff, wait until you see the results. Aren't we all about the results? And with a lot of people's health struggling, we can use a little bit of help. Doctors will tell you, disease starts in the gut. So log on to GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. Be our next email saying, I love this tea. I mean, I love this tea. Get the tea at GetTheTea.com. Helping America one tea bag at a time. Hi, I'm Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. In early 2012, I was facing a laundry list of chronic health conditions that my physician was telling me were incurable. I knew there had to be a better way, and I learned how I could reverse every one of my ailments with science-based, clinically verified medical nutrition. In just a few months, I was able to reverse high blood pressure, gastric reflux, sleep apnea, arthritis, degenerative disc disease, heart arrhythmia, AFib, and many more. And I've lost over 70 pounds and kept it off. Now I'm hosting a radio program that's dedicated to helping my listeners do the same. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, if you're sick of being used as an ATM by your doctor, then you'll want to tune into the Your DIY Health radio program here on Truth Frequency Radio every Thursday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern and 6 to 8 a.m. Pacific. Real people, real radio. Wherever you are, make it TFR. Truth Frequency Radio. And we're back on the Revolutionary Radio Project. I am your host, Rob Skiba. And right before the break, we were talking with my guest, Andy Hoy, about the uh, tabernacle in the wilderness of the, of the Torah that describes the, the Israelites were in the wilderness and they were to build a, a house for God, basically, to dwell in. And uh, whether or not it was a shoebox, rectangular-type structure, or a six-story-high dome tent, circular dome tent, uh, which, frankly, is a whole lot more impressive, let me just put it that way. When uh, Andy, when you first uh, started telling me about this and when I first started looking at your models and stuff, I, I had an office space that I was renting at the time, and it had a, a six-story high parking garage. And so, you know, right after the first time I spoke with you, I, I was going to my office, and I pull into this parking garage. I'm looking at how high this thing is. I'm going, 
Wow. Imagine this was a circular dome tent instead of a parking garage. That's how tall the thing would be. And somebody in the chat room was mentioning that they were taught that the uh, tabernacle was laid out like a cross. I have not heard that the tabernacle itself was laid out as a cross, but rather that the, the formation of the tribes of Israel to the north, south, east, and west, the dimensions, if you were to look at the number of people there, happened to line out like a cross. And they would typically show the the encampment of the Israelites around the rectangular tent in the middle, uh, which if you were, you know, coming up on the scene, you really wouldn't even see. It wouldn't it wouldn't be that much higher than the heads of the people and maybe their own personal, you know, tents. You know, it'd be lost in the mix. However, if you put a six-story high circular dome tent in the center of the formations, that's going to stand out. And especially if it's got this fire pillar going right down through the middle of it, that would have been something that would strike fear, awe, and, you know, wow, into everybody that saw it. And I once heard you say something to the effect of, don't expect people who are unable to discern the shape of the tabernacle to be even remotely qualified to teach you of its significance. That's a powerful statement. So uh, I'd love to turn it over to you and hear what you have to say as far as why is this important? What's the significance of this? You know, why should we care? Um, You've been to uh, like a Six Flags theme park or something like that? Oh, sure. Yeah, so um, you remember why they got like Wiley e. Coyote and Bugs and all that? Remember where we parked? Um, <laughs> right. so, remember so where you, we parked? <laughs> yeah, you, you're, you're, so there's no parking in the tabernacle, <clears throat> but um, uh, but outside that, you know, you certainly could be using it for orientation. Um, now, uh, with with it towering over the land, um, El Shaddai is is again name, one of the names for God. It's um, uh, loosely translated as God Almighty. Um, but the, the word sedeh uh, is is uh, the word for field, um, and um, hasedeh and uh, shaddai, both of them, the, the, the Hebrew gematria is 314, which is kind of, uh, so with every number, you, can, you know, letter, a letter representing a number, um, those are the numbers that that equals. So you oh, can also say it's the god of the field, you know, um, is, hmm. is kind of an idea that it's, it's being conveyed there. But um um, you know, with a with a cross layout, I I, I know Chuck Missler has has presented that, but uh, I don't know if he was the originator of that that idea that that this whole uh, courtyard or that not the courtyard, but the um the 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 encampment with the populations that it that it it uh, it took on a cross shape, and it's like okay, well that's interesting and cute, but. Uh, I, I seem to recall a guy named Abraham, and, and uh, there was a promise in Genesis 12, you know, that your descendants will be like as numerous as, as the stars in the sky. Well, if you look at the stars of the sky, well, first of all, you, you look outside and you, you spin, spin your head around, put on a swivel, and, you know, they're every which direction. And the same thing goes here. If you're going to really lay out an encampment like a cross, I mean, uh, talk about bad logistics. It's like who who has to park way in the back? You know, people don't park like that. They park as close as they can to the to the main attraction. I mean, that's that's one point of absurdity. Um, but uh, getting into this this issue of the why and and the, the, what this is all about, um, let me just say we usually refer to this as is a tabernacle. Um, where does this come from? This is this is from a Latin word. Um, getting into the idea of taberna. Which is where we get English word, of course, tavern. Um, so it's like this is this is the the language that we associate with this. But in Hebrew, you either have Mishkan or Ohel Moed, and um, Mishkan is is basically like saying a dwelling place, which is why I have the book titled uh, 
or you know subtitled um you know re- restoring god's uh oops, there we go again with this where it's not taking into that there i can't uh put this in any clever angle to uh i can show it on my side here yeah i'm sorry um i had to try again but um so that that idea of um you know of uh, god's dwelling place restored i really wanted to use that language because um because the idea of tabernacle it already conveys that silly shoebox you know because who else uses this in english yeah you want to go over to your tabernacle later on tonight i tell you he uses i guess the mormons do right the mormon tabernacle choir but apart from that <laughs> apart from religious context you know the only way the only thing we had to relate to is tavern um which is kind of usually a, a dark and dingy uh you know kind of shady place you know um so the idea of a booth is is another thing that that tavern uh taberna conveys so um, just getting into this idea of Mishkan, which is dwelling place, which again is, is why I have the cover subtitled the way I do, um, or Ohel Moed. So Ohel is tent, and Moed is is um, the idea of, of the, the feast or the seasons or, or uh, divine appointments. Um, so everyone is, is, of course, interested in, in going back to these, these Hebrew holidays and, you know, the, the feast of the Lord, so to speak. Um, now, with these feasts, the, the Ohel Moed itself is mentioned more than the Moed or the Moedim themselves. So we have to ask why. You know, why is this important? You know, there's there's no evidence of, of Israel doing the feasts until um, until this tent is built. You know, after they come out with the the, the legitimate, you know, the full rehearsal Passover, uh, there's no mention of of them keeping any feasts until. Uh, this this thing is established, so um, you know that should that should be of some note. Um, oh, let's see. And as far as the uh, the the why, you know, so going into this why this is important. Well, first of all, th- these these people, and like you said, the these people who are unable to discern the shape of the tabernacle, telling us of its importance. Um, I I can't accept their explanations for this uh, for a number of reasons, but. You know why should you know why is this important? You know, a because he said so. You know, which which divine words do we <laughs> find in Scripture where we say those are unimportant? You know, mm-hmm. can you think of any? I mean, can mm-hmm. you imagine staying up, standing up in the middle of a, of a church service, someone's quoting it says, "Thus saith the Lord," da 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 da, and, and just saying, "Yeah, that's really unimportant." You know, mm-hmm. could you imagine one of the Israelites coming, you know, from from Egypt and saying? Uh, I don't think this thing is important at all, and and this is this is where we've uh, transitioned to, as a, a a people a people of the book. You know, this is where our religions have taken us, and um, you know this this very idea. Um, th- this is why they got liberated from from Egypt. It, it's not let my people go so they don't have to deal with the taskmasters. It's let my people go so that they may have a festival to me in the wilderness. And, and guess what uh, word is used for festival? Hmm. Chag. Um, so we have the, the Chag Sameach, is, is a happy holiday in, in Hebrew. But this idea of Chag, um, which is which is the same root as, as Hug, you know, getting into the idea of circle and circuit, mm-hmm. um, you know, this, this is, this is the, the, the thing that is being hinted at, even in their first mention to Pharaoh of let my people go. So that why? So that they can do this hog, this this festival, this circular, this circular thing. Um, so I think that's that's kind of a, a powerful uh, you know beginning of this. But um, 
you know, getting into other reasons, you know, um, as far as what what the project is all about. So, you know, it's about you know, research and restoration. So, um, you know, we have to do research in order to understand what it is that we are are to you know commanded to make and commanded to restore. Um, there is nothing else in Scripture where it's like, "Thus saith the Lord, build a synagogue." But "Thus saith the Lord, build a church." Um, thus saith the Lord, build a coffee shop for your small group. Um, none of none of these things are are in the thus saith the Lord string. Even the temple, you know, frankly, is is one that's, um, you know, this is David's idea. He's like, oh, I feel so bad that it's in a tent. And, and what does he hear back? He's like, it's like this is okay. You know, this is this is my idea. I've been dwelling, you know, when, since when have I ever asked the people who are shepherding my my people Israel, you know, build me a house of cedar, you know? But David was was really intent on doing it. Um, so, I mean, the, the Levites and the priests were being naughty before David, and, you know, they lost the Ark of the Covenant, you know, with the Phil Philistine thing. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant was actually out of the, the uh, tabernacle for 80 years. Um, so there were, there were some messed up things, but in general, you know, the, the tabernacle stood longer in Israel than, than the temples did, or, or when I say stood longer, between the wilderness and uh, is 480 years is, is how long this thing made it. So hmm. everyone thinks that this is the wilderness tabernacle, and it, it wasn't intended as a wilderness tabernacle. It was intended as more. Um, so, so you know, hmm. why why build this or why think about building it? Why think about restoring this? Well, a couple reasons. You know, we got when I say a couple, I got I got ten of them laid out. Um, I don't know. Uh, can I uh, throw up my uh, screen share? Yeah. Rob? Yeah, just be aware that people are listening on the radio, too, so you have to describe whatever you want sure to show. Thing. So if you go to project314.org, um, we have... Uh, oh, did I... I need to click on something, don't I? Yeah, you yeah. got to do the screen share. There we go. All right. And can you see my screen? I can. Okay, so this is my homepage with the... Uh, a little ad for the um, up-and-coming webinar, um, but if we if we scroll down to here, we've got the Tabernacle Manifesto, and um, this manifesto I, I get into, um, you know, calling for revolution, going back to the Torah, and, and um, you know, getting into the very idea of repentance, you know, having to do with the turning and, and everything. Um, let me just go to. Um, the actual list, I've, I've got them kind of bullet pointed here. Um, so number one, we get in this obedience thing, you know, so, you know, if we're to love God, love man, love is the, the number one command, you know, obey. So if we're, we're to obey, you know, thus saith the Lord, he said, he said, build this thing. Um, you know, I can't recall any, any point in time where he recanted that and say, well, let's, let's dismantle this and do something else. Uh, you know, you don't see that in the text. Um, another thing is is getting the idea of reputation um, and making restitution for all of this reputation that's been uh, run through the mud for for so many years because everyone's been thinking it is that the Mishkan or the Ohel Moed is a is just a, a shoebox in a in a crude and unelegant and and ridiculous thing. Um, so you know if his name is there, if this is something that is is part of his his place, his identity, his presence. You know, is this something we want to misrepresent? Um, I think not. Um, getting into the issue of legacy, you know, Solomon took this thing down in conjunction with, with erecting the new temple. Um, so, so getting into this thing, um, it, it talks about how these, these commandments are, are like everlasting things. So if we are to, again, take this, the tabernacle seriously, 
uh, just think about this. This thing would have been a monument. It, it's a testimony to Israel being liberated from Egypt. You know, this is, the, you know, their forefathers, um, you know, um, you know, year after year, generation after generation, they point to this. Where's that from, Dad? Oh, let me tell you about this story here. I mean, you want to talk about uh, Passover Haggadah, you know, with with uh, the Haggadah with the uh, uh, the, the Haggadah with the um, the tabernacle would have been a very very different teaching. Um, you know, another another good reason for restoring it would be outreach. You know, if if we think in terms of um, you know, our testimony and our faith and, and how these things, you know, if we think these matter, if we think, you know, God's word matters, you know, you get a bunch of people say, hey, let's let's start restoring this. Um, case in point, I'd like to bring up, um, you know, Ken Ham has, has spent, uh, and, and, and his team, his people, all the, the you know, the, the, the Christian uh, build there, they spent $100 million on a boat that won't float for a flood that won't happen. Um, you know, the tabernacle would, would, would probably cost less than that if you made it with the silver and gold to, to full scale, as, as for example. I'm, um, you know, looking at uh, Crawl Walk Run here. But um, anyway, uh, the idea of community, you know, there's, there's nothing I think more important to community is, is having this as a, as a common place. Um, we get into the idea of a holiday tool and timepiece. Um, you know, I've got an article about, you know, 12 pages um, that's on my website as well, uh, talking about how the tabernacle, I believe, to have served in the capacity of a, of a calendar clock and a timepiece, you know, to, to use mm. this as a sundial, um, also being able to use it to uh, determine days of year, uh, latitude, all that sort of thing. Wow. Um, uh, we, we get into the idea of a hands-on education. You know, we have we have people who, who don't know... Uh, you know, there's there's a video going around on YouTube or, or that was out years ago. A guy walking around California um, asking people uh, how to differentiate between a left-handed and right-handed screwdriver. Um, so there's there's people who who really don't have any 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 textile you know hands-on knowledge, etc. Um, we get into the idea of sacrifice. So um, you know, everyone likes to think you know. Uh, the temple is described as a, as a house of prayer for all nations. Well, if you, you take a look at, at the Almighty's response to, to Solomon, uh, what did he say at that time? He said, um, I have heard your prayer and have accepted this, this place as a place for sacrifices. You know, this is a very, a very particular thing. Um, I'm actually going to be uh, dealing a little bit in that sacrifice topic on my, on my webinar up and coming uh, for one of the sessions. Uh, also have revelation, um, you know, the, the, the amount of, of shadow pictures and imagery in this thing is just phenomenal. And again, I, I talk about some of that. Um, and the, uh, the last is, is uh, revolution, you know, as far as bringing about a, a different, uh, when I say a different form of religion, really, um, you know, kind of back to, uh, back to, to the days of old. This is, you know, those are kind of the, my top 10 uh, you know, as far as reasons why, you know, reasons why vary from from person to person. But um, when we talk about revelation, let me. Uh, I got a. I have a book here. If I, if I uh, turn the screen share back off, um, there we go. Um, this is a book. Uh, this one. This one disappearing on me too. Okay. The Tabernacle: Shadows of the Messiah. That's that's the title of this book. Um, here I've got notes here um, from from reviewing this in times past. I've got a note 
uh, not a single Exodus 26 text is quoted in this whole thing. Hmm. So Exodus 26 is, is describing the entire frame and the coverings uh, for this tabernacle, okay? And this whole book, which, which goes to um, 250-some pages, doesn't reference Exodus 26 a single time. Mm-hmm. So what do we what do we have? What are we really looking at, at here when we when we want to you know impose our Christology upon everything? Um, you know the the Jews I think will will laugh at Christians a lot because it's like well you're just making this up to fit your own narrative. And when it comes to the the tabernacle um, in in the the shoebox, you know case in point, you know Rob mentioned the the Chuck Missler reference to the cross. Well, look at this; it forms a cross. Okay, um, yes, it does if you arrange things in an absurd way, and if you have no understanding of of, of um, you know the rest of the mechanics and the and the language and everything. Um, so, I have um, in this book here a note: there are about 500 scripture citations by by page 91. Um, oh, I must I must have been mistaken. Two of which refer to Exodus 26. Uh, that's less than one half of a percent. That's about the tabernacle, um, and that's just in that in that section. So, and then they go on to, of course, uh, talking about the the peace offering and the animal sacrifices. We have a similar similar situation with the the rose product here. Um, can we get this? Uh, it looks like it's ghosting a little bit, but you can see there's a, there's an altar there. It looks like um, the, the guy is actually working with with red hot magma um, at the altar instead of I don't know what. Um, so these these things there there are artists there are artistic pieces and, and cartoons, um, but they're they're generally really not about the the tabernacle. Um, you know, this in this uh, Rose book, they get, they only dedicate about 20% of the book to the tabernacle. Uh, if you compare that to the whole House of El Shaddai book, um, as you recall, Rob, I, I think I got, you know, well over 200 images in there, um, mm-hmm. and they're all pertaining to the tabernacle and comparing it to the, the shoebox model, which, which in these other uh, books they just take for granted. So, Yeah, I'll, uh, let me switch over here, put that back up here again. Just for people to check this out, um, this is a, a very well done book, man. I, I just I can't praise it highly enough. I mean, it's just very well laid out. It's uh, colorful. This must have cost quite a bit to produce, actually. Uh, I, I actually I actually took a whole bunch of my uh, my concepts off of from the Rose Guide people. So yeah, well, well they do gr- really good work as far they, as you know, presentation. They, they have nice art. You know, they're they're artists. Their their pre- presentation layout, et cetera, is is really nice. But um. Yeah. yeah, but that I mean that's typical where, and this is what frustrates me. Like you know, w- with regard to like the biblical cosmology debate and creationism, I've had many people that you know creationists that want to debate me and stuff, and I'm like, okay, let's do it. But my criteria is let's do it from the Bible. I don't want to hear about numbers. I want to hear about Bible. Uh, I had one guy tell me how it is mathematically conceivable that one plus one could equal three, and they give reasons for how that's possible. I'm like, well, all you're doing is proving that you can make math do whatever you want it to do. I don't want to go there. That's not my wheelhouse. My wheelhouse is scripture. And when I get into debates with these pastors and theologians and creationists, and and they'll write books against you know what I've talked uh, on this on the topic, and they've you know published you know three, four, five hundred page books, and they give all of maybe maybe ten pages uh, worth of it to scripture. I'm going, what are we talking about here? 
you know, you, you claim to be a ministry, you claim to be a Christian, you claim to be a creationist, and you spend 99% of the time talking about everything under the sun except the scriptures. <laughs> you know, let, let's get back to the Bible. So that's why I can really appreciate, you know, your your, uh, your critique of some of those other books that, you know, they talk a lot about the tabernacle, but they don't they don't go to the source material that describes the thing, you know. Whereas in your book, I don't know how many how many pages is your book. Um, I want to say two is it two thirty or something like that. No, see. it's it's floating around two hundred. Yes. Yeah, right around two hundred. So you got two hundred pages, and the vast majority of this is all talking about this is what the Bible says and here's what it looks like and you know it's you know going through it line by line you know precept upon precept you know uh, analyzing the thing yeah I do a verse by verse blow blow by uh, or uh, run down in that um, I've also got another um, we'll see if this is uh, offensive to my screen there we go um, this is I'm calling this one exploring God's house Um I really don't know why this is not a a green cover at all. Maybe, maybe put it in front, front of your okay. Yeah. Exploring God's house. So, so this is this is the another book that I started on while um, while I was busy um, kind of trying to get um, uh, the House of El Shaddai out for review and also because um, the House of El Shaddai is a very different book and it's it's really targeting. Um, your average Christian type um, who's who's got nothing but their their translations to work from and so I'm explaining um, in light of their translations there's there's probably about four or five places that are really translated awkwardly and egregiously and, and grossly incorrect and without um, clearing those those log jams they'll just never get there from from here and um, and that's a um, that's something that I I'm I'm very, uh, you know, I try to be very sensitive to because, you know, you, you get into Bible literalism and it's all well and good until you put in a translation. Mm. And then um, th- then the arguments appear. And it, it talks about, and I want to say in Zephaniah, like 3.8 or 3.9 or something, it talks about when, when we as a, as a people will be returning to the, to the holy tongue or the one tongue um, and, and serve him with one consent. Uh, we can't do that as long as we're 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 puttering around in these translations. You know, we'll argue an hour and a half or a day and a half or a year and a half over whether it says in or on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and there you shouldn't be confused in the Hebrew, but um, or on and around or on and above. You know, there's there's different prepositions that um, you could translate them legitimately out of Hebrew in, in either way, uh, but some of those didn't become context based, but. Um, so, so the problem with it being a biblical literalist is, you know, people want to pretend that King James is divinely inspired, and mm. and this is just um, this is childish absurdity. It's immaturity. It's 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 worse than bad scholarship. It's it's just it's such a grotesque indoctrination. I'm sure I'll mm. get lots of darts and things shooting at me with with no technical proofs <laughs> of anything. But um, th- that's why I'm going through in this in this book. Um, this uh, House of El Shaddai, getting into the, uh, I'll just try to see if I can get one of these other pages, um, and there it's not again. I can, I can maybe next break I'll I'll, I'll crank some of these things up so I can, um, I can show the uh, you know an inside page or two. But um, this is this is my work that you know this is the book that I wanted to write and it, it started out much smaller and I I um, when I say smaller. Um, I don't have a 
a talent always for saying few words. Um, <laughs> Neither do I. You know the the proverb too. At least in English, it's translated uh, is um, uh, when words are many, sin is not absent. Um, so who sin? You know, my <laughs> sinning when I'm doing a lot of words here. But um, I'm I'm basically going back to the Hebrew on a verse by verse basis. So like every verse, I'm explaining you know a little phrase within that verse to to say. This is specifically what it's referring to, and I, I basically give a, a reason why it, it can't be referring to rectangular and why it is referring to the round um, as far as that, that whole string and configuration. And um, there's just a lot of little key phrases. So the House of El Shaddai, again, that's the one that's commercially available right now. Um, that one is, is dead. It's, it's, it's directed at people who are English only. I didn't want to intimidate people, you know, where they think in like this scary Hebrew font and this is a scholar's book and I don't want to. I mean, I've got like uh, all those quality control tags to, to show you, you know, if it's accepted or rejected or needs rework of, of uh, all right. you know, the. All right. Hold that thought. Uh, we're okay. On, we're going to break. Frequency Radio is your number one source for news and information without the hate, hype, and fear. We're proud to feature cutting-edge programs like Beyond the Veil with Chris and Cherie Geo, X-Squared with Brooks Agnew, Paranormal Portal with Brent Thomas, Sharonism Raw with Jaron and Missa, Fearless with Frank Castle, Strange World with Mark Sargent, The Eye of Ra with Ra Castaldo, The Infinite Bridge with Billy Ray, Ironworks with Josh Corey, the Kev Baker Show and dozens more. Did you know you can listen from any telephone by dialing 641-793-7117 or call into your favorite show toll-free at 833-TFR-LIVE. Uncensored talking news you won't hear on the mainstream media. Truth Frequency Radio, your protection from deception. trial of former President Trump. I'm Mary Corsetti, Fox News. Wednesday was the first full day of trial arguments, and House managers spent it trying to draw a link between Trump's post-election words to the deadly breach of the U.S. Capitol. Former President Trump was described as the inciter-in-chief who put targets on the backs of members of Congress and his own vice president. He made statements lauding and sympathizing with the insurrectionists. Lead impeachment manager Jamie Raskin and other House Democrats unveiled security video of Vice President Pence and senators quickly ushered away in police audio of the January 6th breach at the Capitol. News. Meanwhile, President Biden visiting the Pentagon for the first time as Commander-in-Chief Wednesday to discuss foreign policy. The new president is laying out a new foreign policy. And just before motorcading to the Pentagon, President Biden showed the kind of power he wants to use while addressing the military coup in Burma. Following a lengthy meeting with military officials about what the U.S. can do, the president appeared to give a shout out to the Space Force. But at home, COVID-19 concerns remain issue number one. As the White House warns parents, a majority of students back to school within 100 days might just mean one day a week. 
The president is convening a new task force to possibly confront China. And in a brief exchange with Fox News, the president didn't rule out a retroactive punishment. Fox's Peter Ducey adding that the president is not calling China a threat, but a challenge. This as he had his first phone call with President Xi Jinping Wednesday. The two leaders discussed trade, Beijing's crackdown on democracy activists in Hong Kong, and the COVID-19 pandemic. They spoke just hours after Biden announced plans for a Pentagon task force to review U.S. national security strategy in China. America is listening to Fox News. This is the Truth Frequency Radio Network. TFR. Truth Frequency Radio. And we're back on the Revolutionary Radio Project. I am your host, Rob Skiba, and I'm talking with my guest, Andy Hoy. And Andy, right before the break, you were talking about your book, and uh, you got, I guess you got two books there, but uh, the the book we've been talking about this evening, The House of El Shaddai, God's Dwelling Place Reconsidered. Uh, you were talking about this book being written more f- uh, for the layman. Uh, as opposed to somebody that maybe perhaps doesn't know Hebrew that well or is not wouldn't consider themselves a Hebrew scholar, so uh, if, if there's anything more you wanted to say in that regard, uh, you know, go ahead. I know you got cut off there. Yeah, I I did. Um, I brought the uh, some electronic uh, pages of of my uh, Exploring God's House book, which is a work in progress and. And this is really um, again, it's the book that I wanted to write. Um, right now, it's uh, it's not uh, edited, reviewed type thing, and and so um, I um, I guess I'm looking for uh, you know qualified editors, reviewers. I'm also kicking the idea around of making this other book into a kind of an online only uh, through the website and uh, making this uh, multilingual mm-hmm. and. Um, because the the layout of it, um, well, you saw the uh, the interior of, of the house of El Shaddai. It, it's very, uh, it, it's very tightly packed and very highly organized information. And if I just turn that into you know German, whether they got they got uh, words that are 15, 20 characters long all the time, hmm. you know, it it uh, changes all the margins and and it would be it would be real tricky to, to lay out once that's uh, converted. But you know, the goal is to to make you know, project uh, project three fourteen more international um, as far as you know getting more more content translated um, to really bring this uh, you know to all the tribes in the world uh, in that sense. So um, again, this idea of tabernacle research and restoration. So restoring it to all the peoples, uh, giving them the ability to research. So I'm going to just uh, go back on the screen share here and um, put that up. So this is this is one of the pages or two of the pages from uh, exploring God's house, which is the work in progress, and it's it's showing you know this this four layer tent, um, you know asking the simple question: Did the tent use a four layer covering? Showing how they usually arrange it, you know, two layers of leather, two layers of fabric. Here's the lower one of linen made of ten sheets. There's the one above it uh, made of uh, uh, of wool, and that one's made with eleven sheets. So. This is just uh, Exodus 26, verse 1. 
Uh, so we've got, thus saith the King James, and um, thus saith the Hebrew, and um, we've got King James, of course, is, you know, English, Shakespearean written left to right, and Hebrew written right to left. Um, so anyone who wants to follow along, this is, this is uh, referred to, this is an interlinear Bible, so in between the lines of Ve'eta Mishkan Tasas, um, so if you don't know what that means, well, just look below. And the tabernacle you shall make or do uh, ten, uh, ten of sheets, uh, cambric sheen uh, being corded. You know, so, this, so this is like an instant, you know, it, it's like Strong's uh, definition shunted to you in, in Hebrew right away. Now, um, this is from... Um, uh, I would say it's a Westminster um, sublinear or something like that, but um, this is this is from ISA or Interlinear Scripture Analyzer. I recommend it all the time. Over, like even like Blue Letter Bible tends to uh, backfeed translation into their interlinear, and this I find to be a much much more uh, literal and, and very very helpful tool. I mean, this is this is just amazing amazing tool. This is a free tool. Please uh, you know download their stuff and 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 then. And, and give them some uh, gratuity for this because this is this is just an amazing work. It's uh, I, I just can't I can't uh, emphasize that enough. So what's the tool if, again? If what, what is it? Is it, uh, it? This is interlinear scripture analyzer. Oh, is I think the I name have that. of uh, the website. Um, interlinear scripture analyzer. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've used that before. I hear what you're saying though about uh, you know various online resources that inject their own bias into their interpretations uh, like for instance turning rakia uh, or stereoma into expanse as an air gas in the vacuum of space which is just patently absurd ridiculous there's there's so many places that um, the, the people cheat on the translations and like I said this this has been the, the one of the most tamper-free uh, translations I've ever seen in my life, and I, I usually uh, swear by it, stand by it. And um, there's there's a few words where, again, um, in, in my, in my book, you could see the, um, what I was doing. I I put the Strong's number in there. Um, so here, th this is like looking at a PDF on the website. This is going from from right to left. So this helps English readers. And the tabernacle you shall make ten of sheets. You know, etc. Whereas in in my my book, I've got this started out going from left to right. But again, this isn't quite available yet, so it's kind mm -hmm. of uh, you know frustrating. But the the point the point I'm trying to make here, Rob, is is you know people get intimidated by the Hebrew and Hebrew study, and they just see it and they just they lock up and they're terrified. And um, with these tools, you know, I'm not expecting anyone to to start being able to read the you know the the letters, but it's it's 22 letters in an alphabet. You know, you you can learn the alphabet by singing a song for uh, a few hours in an afternoon, really. Mm -hmm. um, so this gets into the whole thing. It's like, well, if we value the Word, the, the Word of God, and it's like, well, this is the Word of God, and the English is really not. You see all these parentheses here. Well, that one, uh, we've got uh, whatever, of whatever and, you're and showing uh, is not the—I can see that what's be oh, below that, okay. but, but that particular screen is just a, bl a blank. Okay. Whatever um, you're showing there. I can see the template below that, but I can't— Yeah. I don't know uh, who to blame. If uh, Firefox is to blame on that, I'll just I'll just put that aside. But yeah, I can see that's that. The, 
Yeah, that was the interlinear scripture analyzer. That was that was really. Um, it's just a PDF. They have PDF of every page, so you don't actually even need uh, to have the installation of the program. But the program runs on Windows, and it doesn't. They don't have a, a Mac version yet, or, or whatever. But um, but mm -hmm. my point is, is all this the, this tool is it's just very practical, and it's is the you know it's it makes a more or less a mechanical translation, which is just word for word. You know, no need to insert uh, other funky baggage and, and garbage, you know, in between all this stuff. Uh, that's kind of my point. But um, so this this other book here, um, here we have uh, Sheish Mizar. Um, and so we see the, the Hebrew word Sheish with two two uh, two shins. And how do they twist the um, the strings up? You know, how do they twist the uh, the oh, wow. fabric? You know, wow. it, it seems to make two two shins. Uh, uh, so why why is it that the number six in Hebrew is associated with with this weaving? And I think this is why. Hmm. Um, now I can't say that definitively, but um, so I'm I'm basically deconstructing the the shoebox model, and I do this in, in in the house of El Shaddai, which is available right now. These these same images are are pulled out of that. Um, you know, so I'm I'm basically going from the same image bank anyway. Um, but it talks about, you know, these, these sheets to, to put them in two sets of five. Well, why two sets of five? Well, on this model, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because you're joining and them all we, together as one big piece if you do that. Yeah. Um, if you're just going to try to make a rectangle, why, why group in, in a five first? Hmm. But it talks about having a set of five and a set of five. Why? Because you're, you're, you're joining this together to, to, to make the one tabernacle, as it describes, or the one... Uh, Mishkan, and so this is literally the dwelling place is established by this this polygon, uh, you know, uh, semicircular thing. Uh, it's it's really decagonal. Um, you know, this decagonal shape is what establishes what is called the Mishkan, what is called the tabernacle. So decagonal uh, is that because I saw somebody in the chat room saying, you know, how, how does he deal with the word sides? Uh, you know, where you know on the north side or what have you. Where we okay. where we encounter words like that, that like they would say a circle doesn't have a side. So, is it because it's a uh, decagonal that it has sides, yeah. or is it a different word? Um, let me um, let me just find this. Uh, th this is just this is raw comedy, and I'm I'm happy that someone asked this question. But um, what I'm gonna do is I've got a t table. I don't know if it's in in this one this one book or. Uh, if it's in, um, uh, it, it might be in both, um, but they they basically translate, um, you know, it, just in this section alone. Um, if I if I was to do a reverse lookup on the the word side s i d e, and I look up all the English occurrences, um, and you can do that with like an eSword program. I'm sure a lot of your uh, listeners use eSword. Um, if you use the King James Concordance tool or, or do a search, you could you could type in the word S-I-D-E in English and do a search. And from what I recall, there was like more than 30 different uh, Hebrew words that they translate into the word side. Hmm. Um, now, in this Parsha alone, in, in the, the Teruma Parsha, which is Exodus 25 through 27 roughly, um, there are seven different words that are translated as side, S-I-D-E. And uh, this this S I D E word, um, it's only once where it, it really belongs, uh, you know, translated in that, and that's uh, today. Um, th so the the 
The Hebrew word, ironically, the only legitimate one that they translate as sides, um, they actually put the, the curtains on the roof. <laughs> so mm. um, I, I don't know. I think that's comical. But they, they translate all sorts of different words as side. The, the Hebrew word for rib, salah, they, they translate as side. The word for uh, uh, for thigh, yurach, uh, or yurach, or uh, yurach time, or, or uh, they translate that as side. Um, so when you start to, um, you know, in a sense, kind of neuter the language and, and just butcher the language, well, sure, anything's possible. So um, but you're, you're talking more about the courtyard. And, um, and I, I put it this way to people. Um, if you got, you, you remember those, those compasses that sat on top of, the, of your, your grandpa's dash in, in his car where he's, he's probably got one of those ball bubble uh, compasses? You yeah. know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that has, it, it might be round, but it has, you could say it has two sides. You could say it has four sides. You could divide it in any, as many pieces as you want, but, you know, circle even has an inside and an outside. Um, but a, a north side and a south side, this is this is how we navigate. Uh, go south a, a few hundred yards. You mean do south? No, south-southwest. You know, mm -hmm. it's still the south side. You know, if you're on the south side of a house, you know, it's it's referring to a big area that's it's all fanned out. And so mm -hmm. if you want to think, and, and this is where people go with this, and I'm... Um, I'm I'm aggravated um, to the point of of um, <laughs> amused almost, or you know, um, I just want to pick somebody up and, and shake them, you know, like because they'll pick up words like this and they'll fixate on it. It's like a it's like a beagle going after uh, you know the scent of a of a rabbit or a raccoon, and in, in, um, and and once they take that scent, they just they follow it to the to the bitter end, even if it involves their own death, you know. Um, so, so they're so uh, committed, so dogmatic in, in this whole thing. Well, my, my English Bible says sides right here. Um, mm. the, the first presentation I gave, you know, there's, there's the word corners in there as well. You know, it talks about, you know, joining to the corners of the frame or something like that, or, or, or actually it's of the one ring. Um, so show me where the one ring is on the, on the, on the shoebox tabernacle. But, you know, this, this guy thought he had me, you know, he thought he caught me at an aha moment. He, he, he brings up this, this, you know, this is back in 2015. He's got a well-worn, you know, um, onion skin King James Bible. And he's like, oh, look, it says corners right here, you know. And it's just like, ah, you know, it, it's actually the word is makaitzot. Um, or, uh, yeah, that, and it's, it's, it's not, um, you know, it, the, the word kaitzai within or the root, it's, it's actually spelled with an ayan which actually is representative of an eye, which is a circular thing. And it, it, mm. it uh, alludes to the idea of a segmented circle, really. Um, and so, you know, but th this is where, you know, they, they take their English and, and they think, well, it, it must have been translated good because it was good enough for my daddy. It was good enough for my, for my grandma and, and so forth and so on. And, and it's good enough for my pastor. And my pastor says that the King James is inspired. You know, I'm sure that you can uh, make reference to a few uh, other Bible teachers of the day who are running around saying that the um, that the King James is inspired more than the than the uh, the Hebrew. Um, Dude, I've, or, I've had people. I'm not going to mention any names, but people, a name that everybody would know that has actually said that he would he would correct the Hebrew and Greek to the King James. I'm like. Dude, do you realize the Bible was not... It was written from Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic into English. Y you're, 
how are you going to, how does that even make sense to an intellectually, you know, somebody who has letters after their name that goes by the, the name doctor, how does that even make any sense to you? I would correct the Hebrew, the, I would correct the original source information to the translation. Like, what? what? So, so, so here's a fun one for you, Rob. Uh, King James Version, of course, which one's inspired? Oh, it's the 1611. Yeah, right? which, which nobody's, and, um, nobody's quoting these days. Yeah, so so what happened before and what happened after, you know, we don't know. Right. Um, and uh, I'm not saying that there's not, you know, some interesting nuance that, that appears in some of these things from time to time, but, you know, who decided to park it there? You know, who's the inspired person who, who's, who's got, thus saith the Lord, power and authority that, that was— that was given this this permission and 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 uh, again authority to to a, a declaration on this, mm-hmm. and all the pastors who want to take it farther, um, you know, it's just it's it's just a really weird, uh, creepy, dogmatic it's a cult. thing. And it's a cult. What, what about all those those earlier versions? Well, those were almost divinely inspired. Well, what about the ones after 1611? Well, not divinely inspired anymore. They changed it and. And, you know, they start citing all sorts of other absurdities. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, they just it's like, look, guys, just stop being so lazy and stop being so stubborn and just do a little study yourself and just open your minds and, and take a look. Because until you do that, you really don't know. And all you're, you're doing, I'm like, are you willing to, to bet your eternal soul on, on the, the King Jimmy? I mean, some people are, are so insecure that. Uh, or that they have such a, a dark view of, of, of the Almighty, they, uh, you know, they, they think they're entitled to a perfect translation, and they, they think they're entitled to pick it without having any knowledge of it. Um, and and it's just it's just such a weird thing. I, I can't—I use King James in here because I don't have to worry about um, citation and copyright. <laughs> that's, that's part of the reason. And the other oh. reason is, frankly, the King James— um, you know, it's better than a lot of other English Bibles. I'll give you that, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend it's this this uh, divinely inspired writ. Mm-hmm. And the the people who who do so, um, they're in for a rude awakening if if they're gonna study this 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 idea this this book out. And you'll see, I, I've got the, the this stuff in interlinear. If they just go to an interlinear, and and look for the insertions, um, you know, it's it's just. Well, insertions is a is a really good uh, key word because one of the arguments that I uh, look I study from the King James I was raised on King James I don't really have a problem with the King James I have a problem with King James only people uh, those are the people that I have a severe problem with uh, but you know they'll look at all these other translations and say see you know all these all these other Bible translations took this word out and they took this phrase out and they took this verse out I'm like eh, the better question might be what did the King James put in. Because when you go down that route and you see how much the, it w- that was inserted, wow, you know, uh, and some things, you know, some things is a big deal, but who cares, right? But there's other things that, I mean, m- like entire entire doctrinal, you know, points of view have been based on things that are inserted by 1611 translators. So that's where it becomes a problem. But, you know, anyway, I don't want to go on a whole show ranting on that. Yeah, but, yeah. I should stop it. In in the particulars of the tabernacle, you've got like, um, you know, the idea of a, of a when I say a column or a stand or a standing thing. So uh, the, the Hebrew, you know, you have a, a mode or a med, and um, you have in Hebrew the the Jews the amidah. You know, so um, these 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 pillars of the tabernacle are described as, as standing, but they're also in in uh, in the proper model. They're actually leaning. They're leaning towards the center. 
um, which is which is consistent with the the Jewish prayer known as the Amidah. Um, so I think that's that's really funny. And the closer you get in, the more that they're leaning. But they're, the fact that they're leaning, guess what? They're still standing. So when they want to take a word and says, well, it says pillars right here, um, or columns or posts. You know, we we have all these really sim- similar English words. It's like, well, which one do you pick and why? And then getting into the literalism. You know, we're like, oh, you can't take the, you know, we can take the Bible literally unless it, unless there's, um, uh, what do you call it, you know, similes or metaphors, you know, the as or the like. You know, in Hebrew, that that, that is a, a form of construction of the, um, you know, it is a, a syntax and a preposition that they have these. But the, the, the bigger truth is that um, when when verbs are are so defining of the nouns, you know, to, to talk about the pillars being a standing thing as opposed or or a stand, or something upon which something stands, um, we understand that 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 verb, it, it that's the thing that's that's driving the meaning or conveying the meaning. And if if we want to, um, you know, be dogmatic with our English nouns, that gets us in a lot of trouble, and people have no idea how far gone they are because of that. I've got cases in this, uh, you know, cited in, in the book, I think in, in the house bill, should I even, um, you know, talking about where they're using uh, uh, the, the word to tent and, and they're, they're tr- they say for a tent or for the tent. And it doesn't say the, you know, there's, there's a definite article in Hebrew of the, um, but it, it doesn't appear there. And they're using uh, the, the preposition two or four, you know, in front of it. So is it talking about a noun? Is it to tent something? Or is it for a tent or for the tent? And so they they get lost in, in little spots like that, and they they translate it one way, and um, you know they do that with the, the courtyard uh, the courtyard curtains. It, it talks about uh, them being hangings, and um, you know is it a hanger or a hanging? Okay, there's there's a, there's a big difference. You know, my shirt mm. goes on a hanger and then becomes a hanging, mm. and so they get they get lost in that that little bit of language nuance because they weren't paying attention. Um, again, big game of Simon says, and this 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 string of text goes like five six six chapters long. Thus saith the Lord, da 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 da. You know, listen to the end, pay attention, take notes, go back, review, and uh, they want to just go from uh, one sentence uh, construction bits and 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 bad uh, presumed uh, paradigms, and they want to run from there and 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 embrace those things so tightly. Um, that they won't ju- just won't let go. So this whole thing, it, it it's mistranslated that bad in a few spots that just leaves people really disoriented. I have uh, one other uh, book thing here, and again, I'm I'm uh, this is another one available on my website. This is just a um, uh, the House of El Shaddai. Uh, this is a workbook. Um, the workbook is just set up with a lot of questions, and the questions are designed to get the the reader to think. And to think through this, because this this exegesis isn't hard, if you know the a few of the um, the language uh, the the language nuances that that derail us. And so I, you know, in constructing the questions, I've got these questions constructed in a way that that um, I'm I'm helping them navigate through the exegesis, which has no picture. So that, that book is like not a, a picture book that you go by. I mean, my other book is like gobs of pictures, but anyone who likes a puzzle wants to figure it out for themselves, you know, get to get the workbook and, and just, just, you know, try it, work with me uh, and, and follow that line of questions. It's like 200 questions or something like that in that book, I think, um, that, that just, you know, try to direct you in a, um, 
in, into the proper into the proper questions. Well, and, that, and, um, that, that's that is so important, and and I had to do that myself with a number of topics. Is is you know about ten years ago, I realized just how much. You know, I, look, I, I don't want to knock the people who I, I learned under growing up. I think that many of these people were good, godly men and women who meant well, who just maybe didn't understand, you know, quite right. Uh, but, I, you know, we, we are all taught things. And we have this, I imagine, like this big whiteboard in our head that has all kinds of stuff scribbled on it that we've, you know, people have taught us. And, you know, a good 10 years ago or so, I realized after one thing after another, looking through, you know, the scriptures for myself, going, wait a minute, something's wrong here, that I finally had to take a step back and just, like, metaphorically speaking, say, Father, I'm taking an eraser to the big whiteboard in my head. I'm going to start all over again. You know, just erase the whole thing and just read it for what it says, and I'm just going to pray, Father, you know, if I'm bringing, this is a dangerous prayer for anybody out there listening, Father, if I'm bringing preconceived bias to the text, please remove it from me and just let your Holy Spirit show me what's there. Because if you pray that, you know, I've described it like he grabs you by the neck and goes, (laughs) he just, because you're going to get shaken up pretty bad uh, if, if you're holding on too tightly to these other things that you think you know. And, but but that's a really good approach. What what you're talking about there is just okay. Just read this. Just don't, don't put all preconceived biases aside. Put everything you've been taught aside. Just read it. Now, what did you hear? What did you see there? Write it down. You know. And after you do that, you know, if you got 200 questions, that's going to paint a pretty s- serious picture. I mean, because each one's a piece of a puzzle, right? You're like, well, this was the answer that I had for that. This is the answer that I had for that. Take a step back. Oh, wait a minute. This is a big picture that's very different from what I've been taught because so few people do that exercise. They just sit there and, you know, with all good intent, you know, they listen to somebody that they love and trust and they believe it has the truth and then they just believe it because that's what they're taught. And I'm finding with so many topics, so many topics, and and the more I'm talking to you about this, the more I'm realizing how important this topic is. You know, this is the house of God. This is the house of yod heh vav the creator. This is his house. He said, hey, here are the blueprints. Build it. And and I didn't even think about it either until you said it earlier for how many hundreds of years that that thing was out. It wasn't just the 40 years in the wilderness. That thing was out and about, you know, as until Solomon's temple. And we got about a minute before the break, but um, I, I do want to talk to you about Solomon's temple briefly before we get into a few other things. Uh, because this question comes up a lot. You know, uh, you know, I, I believe the Herod's temple was a rectangular box-like structure, but was Solomon's temple, or did Solomon's temple in some way mirror, you know, on a on a bigger scale and with stone, the, the same circular structure as the tabernacle in in the wilderness? And so, uh, we're about ready to go to break. So when we come back from break, maybe we can uh, address that, and then we'll go into a few other things about recent updates and uh, projects that you're working on and stuff like that. So. Uh, We'll be right back after the break. Stand by.
Discover the extraordinary powers of intuitive healing with pain transmutation, a method of holistic healing for the human soul, body, mind, and emotions. If you are looking for answers and a deep understanding of how to help yourself and the people around you to live a happier, healthier life, this is the right place for you. Learn how to read your soul's history in the Akashic Records. Remove negative energy attachments from your astral body and start the process of inner and outer pain transmutation. Join Pain Transmutation Community to get started on the path of intuitive healing. Change your energetic state. Manifest new and exciting experiences. Re-energize your life and build inspiring connections with others in our community. Poor water quality is a major health issue, and it's only getting worse. Municipalities can't keep up, standards have dropped, and pollutants are increasing. Where does it all end? It ends by keeping the pollutants outside of your home with HydroCare's advanced systems available at Wave Home Solutions. No less than the best purification materials and processes have been developed by HydroCare to provide you with healthy, clean water for drinking, cooking, and showering. HydroCare far surpasses the competition in removing chlorine, odors, iron, lead, chemicals, limescale, and much more. Don't settle for less when it comes to your water. We'll take care of the toughest water problems for you, whether it's from a city or well source. Satisfaction guaranteed. For more information, call 888-997-WAVE. That's 888-997-WAVE. Or go to bestwater123.com. That's bestwater123.com. Wave Home Solutions for a healthy, comfortable home. Greetings, Earth Explorers. My name is Brooks Agnew, and I am your host on X Squared Radio every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Truth Frequency Radio Network. This is where the past meets the future. We explore the mysteries of the universe and of the Earth. We might go a little past your imagination, but have no fear. You will be safely traveling with us. We will dissolve the propaganda of dangerous people with dangerous plans for the planet. We will discuss the latest technologies and challenges for humankind. We will discover the safest place for you to stand when the thinkings and doings of mankind come flying apart and how you can be one of the people that helps put it back together. Join us. You are now tuned into the Truth Frequency. Your protection from deception. T-L-R. Truth Frequency Radio.
And we're back on the Revolutionary Radio Project. I'm your host, Rob Skiba. We're in the final half-hour segment of the broadcast, and I'm talking with my guest, Andy Hoy, about his circular tabernacle model. And, Andy, right before the break, I was asking, you know, was the Temple of Solomon uh, the same shape? Did, did you find any evidence? And it seems like I saw uh, something from, like, the 1700s 1800s or something about Ezekiel's futuristic temple that was actually circular, that was pretty amazing. But uh, has your research gone down, you know, any of this past to confirm yay or nay in that regard? Yeah, um, it's kind of funny you mentioned some of that. Uh, that uh, I think you're thinking of the, uh, there's uh, Christophilidelphians or something like that. Some, uh, it's a, kind of an American Christian congregation. Some I think it was 1800s, but um, not positive there. I, I had the thing on my website for a while. I, maybe that was on my old website, but where they had, uh, you know, kind of a circular arrangement. Now, the, the Hebrew word for uh, circle, or uh, I should say around, is, is saviv, with samik, bet, uh, vav, I'm sorry, um, uh, yeah, uh, vav, uh, bet. So you've got basically two two houses or two Letters. The bet letter is is shaped like a, a tent floor plan or a house. So saviv um, is is uh, speaking about going around, and so here you have the samic, which is a round letter, a circular letter, uh, and then you got a a, a vav. Um, uh, I'm sorry, a bet joined to another bet with a with a yud or you know with a hand or, or um, I don't think it's it's the vav at all there, but it, anyway, it's 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 an uh, kind of the action oriented. So this this idea of saviv is really speaking to the circle, and, and Ezekiel's language that that term is used, and and that's kind of where the guy springboarded off of. And um, you know, he he didn't really um, I think his, his name is Holly or something like that. Um, he didn't really um, get to the, the meat of a lot of stuff because he didn't have this pattern. Is is my opinion. Mm. Um, now, because you start looking at some of the uh, other dimensions and stuff and, and shifting the paradigms. Um, you know, Rob, of course, you just love poking sticks and beehives, don't you? But, um, <laughs> it's a it's a sickness, man. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. <laughs> so you're just, you're just trying to get me lynched by everyone here. So um, um, here here's the problem with this um, this notion of, Solomon. of uh, Solomon's temple. Um you know, people are just assuming, you know, they, they use that as a proof. Well, the tabernacle couldn't have been around because the tabernacle was used for the design of Solomon's temple. And we know that Solomon's temple is rectangular. Oh, okay. Uh, based on what? You know, mm -hmm. so you start on this, this discussion all over again, um, getting into the, the issue of supremacy of the pattern, quality of the revelation, um, now, if you read the the um, I want to say it's Second Chronicles three and First Kings six or six and seven whatever um, of of uh, this, this house that David had built uh, through Solomon because David's the guy who received the plans for it or developed the plans for it um, and um, you know giving this you know is delegated to to Solomon in that sense. Um, Oh, where was I going with this? I, I just uh, lost my train of thought with the Solomon. Um, was the temple um, circular? Yeah, so so those those descriptions between Kings and Chronicles are quite different, and it's so different to the point where the Jews say, well, only the uh, the, the king's uh, uh, description is correct. <laughs> you know, Chronicles, they, t I think, attribute usually to Ezra, and so this is coming from a priestly source. So you've got a story of the kings versus a story of the priests, 
you know, these, these two things battling it out. Um, when you start to put it together and look at it from a round standpoint, um, what I see is like, if you think of someone say, well, okay, describe a house. Well, if one guy's standing on the inside describing it, when another guy's standing on the outside describing it, and I'm not saying that's what it really amounts to, um, you know, or guys who are from different backgrounds, you know, you ask one guy who's an architect and the other guy who's a, um, you know, who, who might be an artist or a painter or something like that, you know, if they're going to describe the building differently. And so these, these two accounts are, they have a lot of interesting differences. And, um, I wasn't able to fully reconcile this to the tabernacle, but I would say I'm about 80% there. Hmm. And, um, I haven't made it public because it's, um, I cannot bring it forward with the absolute certainty that I can with the tabernacle. Mm. I mean, you want to go tabernacle, um, uh, again, going, going head to head on, on every verse and every detail, you know, I, I can make sense of, in my opinion, uh, just about all of it. Um, and, uh, and so there's, there's only a few fringe, you know, words or phrases where it's like, uh, this I think is like that. Um, but but really, um, there's there's not that much, and there's not much ambiguity. I mean, even despite a few um, adjustments that I've made as to my understanding since I discovered this, um, it's really it's not it's not changed the, the the shape or the essence of the whole thing because the numbers within the the, the plan description are so uh, so defining and and so uh, correlating and and things like that, or it just it just has to be. Um, and I know that's a bold statement to, to be making, but uh, again, I would challenge anyone uh, to, uh, you know, if, if you want to order my book, uh, I'll, uh, I'll say money back guarantee if, if uh, you know, return it in 30 days. If you're, if you're saying I, this, this thing doesn't work and, and you're a liar and exaggerator, et cetera. Um, so let's see, but besides that, um, yeah, I don't know about how, how that works with Amazon, but uh, yeah, go go return it to Amazon and yeah, if 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 you if you want to just try to dump on it, you know, then get it from Amazon, return it, and then let them deal with it. Then again, that makes a used market. So, um, well, you know, the the you know, as far as the the Temple of Solomon, it, that temple has flipped me out for a long time because. You know, you do any research into things like the Illuminati and Freemasonry, go to the George Washington uh, Freemasonic uh, uh, building there in Washington, D.C., and, you know, it's it's like all Hebrew, and it's all Solomon, and it's all Solomon's temple, and when I'm reading this, it's, it's the, you know, the Hittites and the, all the ites that the Israelites didn't get rid of that were supposed to be annihilated that actually built the thing and 666 talents of gold you know brought in for this thing i'm like the more i look into solomon's temple the more i'm like what the heck made this thing even remotely holy and my conclusion was that at the time when he fulfilled when solomon fulfilled his father's dream for this and he he gives his prayer of dedication he's still on the straight and narrow path he's still he's still doing good walking in the ways of his father and whatnot uh, and he prays this beautiful prayer of dedication, and of course I'm paraphrasing, but it was like Yahuwah looked down and said, you know what, bro, that's pretty awesome, man. I appreciate what you did here. I'm going to put my name on this thing that you've constructed, and so long as you walk in my ways and, you know, do as your father David did, I will bless this thing and, you know, and make it holy. But if you don't, if you veer from my path and of, you know, my commandments and stray, then, you know, I'm going to take my name off of this thing. And I came to the conclusion that literally the only thing that made that thing holy was you was saying, I'll put my name on this thing so long as you obey me. Um, it goes off the rails from there, in my mind anyway. So, you know, it, it's 
apples and oranges, it's black and white. It's two different things as far as I'm concerned. The the tabernacle, uh, as we've been discussing in the show, um, has very specific detailed uh, instructions that are laid out for anybody to read for themselves. Go through the exercise, just read it, look at the words, look at how it's put together, and imagine what's what it, what comes out there. Just like I always tell people when it comes to cosmology, look, just read Genesis chapter 1, throw everything out you think you've been taught, just read it, and tell me what you see. You know, uh, you come up with a different thing. So, you know, constructing a model based on the descriptions, as you have done, um, where are you in this process, by the way? Uh, You you told me on the phone the other day that you've got, you know, different scale models, and are you at a place now where you can actually build a physical structure that people can can see for themselves, touch, and experience? Um, yes and ish almost. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a number of, um, uh, a number of models that are in play right now. I've got, uh, five different model sizes, physical model sizes, um, that are in various stages of, of development, etc. Um, you know, some made for home and tabletop and desktop and some made for, um, much larger, uh, scenarios. And, um, oh, what was I going to say? Uh, I guess I, I'm, I'm wanting to go back on the, on the temple, on the, the Solomon, uh, uh, Solomon thing, uh, for a minute here, um, of whether the, the temple mound is, is, is round or not. Um, the, um, do you recall what the what uh, was on the Temple Mound before um, before they put the temple there? No, I don't remember. It was it was a threshing floor. Oh, the threshing floor, yeah. Yeah. So how does a threshing floor work? They have a post in the middle, and then they have oxen with a with a sled a, a, a weighted sled that they pull in circles, and they use that to break the grain away from the the stock okay so the the grain gets trampled so um you know in the new testament you got you know see satan is is asked you to sift you like wheat so you got all this wheat uh this idea of winning you know the winnowing fork is in his hand you know all this this idea of threshing and um uh so so this threshing notion is is very powerful the the hebrew word for uh grain is is actually uh garen um, so you, you wonder where some of these, you know, these corollaries come from. Um, so this, this idea that, that Solomon was building on a threshing floor. Well, hmm. again, ox, oxen don't walk in squares. Hmm. Um, we, we've, we've also got even the, um, the Arabs are, you know, they go and they, they walk what? They walk in circles around a square. Hmm. <laughs> and, and guess what? People every year get trampled. And, and part of why they would logically get tramples is, is because it creates a pinch point at this at this corner. And so they, they go for their uh, Mecca pilgrimage just like once once a lifetime, as I understand. But uh, the, the word that they use to describe this pilgrimage is the Hajj, which is like Hag, Hag Sameach, you know, the the, uh, the, the Hug, you know, this this whole circular circular things tied in. So I, I wanted to kind of throw that down for the for the Solomon's temple question before we uh you know, before we moved out uh, to uh, that is an interesting point. Stuff. Yeah, I had threshing floor in my head as soon as you asked the question. I don't know why. I'm like, I, but but yeah, I thought I'm, I thought you knew, but I I knew you knew actually. Well, but, um, I, I knew, but you know, you put on the spot. And you're like, oh no, I don't know. I didn't study. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> but, but I knew you knew. But the idea of that, yeah, going around like that—that's interesting. I never thought of that either. And 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 actually, when it comes to like 
the sacrifices in the, the Levitical priesthood, and this was something that after you've introduced me to the model and I'm continuing to go through the Torah portions and we get to where, you know, how many animals are, are killed and how many uh, uh, Levites are there and have to eat. And I'm going, wait a minute, what was, you know, if we, if we think of this huge circular dome tent with a with an inner court, you know, outer court and, you know, uh, and all that, uh, that a big portion of that is wide open that would make very would do very well for a large cafeteria <laughs> you know for you know preparing the animals having people come in and eat if if all the levites like in the book of numbers there have to eat in the tabernacle that little rectangular shoebox isn't going to accommodate that, that that meal you know I've um, kind of gone back and forth as to whether or not I believe that more than if if the elders and and um, others were allowed in, or if it was just the priest going in at uh, beginning and end of day, um, because you know he's he's wearing these garments, but he's he's crossing that threshold and he's he's washing his feet. So I'm going to uh, just move away. Um, you can see on on the model behind me there, um, you know the 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 water basin is is right near the edge of the roof, in, in the shoebox model. They plop that thing right in the middle of, of uh, they, they plop that thing right in the middle of the of the courtyard, right? And and you talked about you know people mustering, people gathering. Um, well, technically the, the floor space of, of this model, I want to say it's either 17 or 34 times bigger than what the shoebox model is. I forget exactly. Right. To, to refresh myself on that, but um, the, the 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 bigger point and, and problem here is it, it talks about you know offering up the animals at, at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Right. Well, where's the entrance? Uh, what do we call the tent of meeting? Is it the courtyard or is it the other part? So where are you taking these animals? You know, so you're taking these animals into like this big, big pasture. You know, do, do you turn the whole courtyard into, you know, where are you slaughtering? Because they, they basically show in a lot of these, these cartoon books where they're, they're bringing the animal inside and the altar is also packed neatly in the middle of this, this barren space otherwise in the courtyard. And, and this is where these people are you know, presenting, it's like, well, if they're supposed to slaughter it there and then sprinkle uh, the blood and, and the, you know, to the, um, on the gates or, or, um, or on the altar rather, you know, they're taking it to the gate and, or the opening and, and sprinkling on the altar. Um, how does this work if, if the, the, that's, you know, 40 feet away or 50 feet away? Um, it just, it makes no sense. So from a logistic standpoint, what are you going to kill the animal outside and drag parts of it inside and, and, it's it's just a it's a logistical it's a joke it's a nightmare i mean when, yeah when you start reading like leviticus and and numbers and you start trying to imagine what is described there in this tiny little rectangular box model it's completely absurd uh but whereas if we look at the model that i just had on the screen we put it back up there again and you know for people who are watching this on youtube i mean this is a six story high circular dome tent like i mean it's like a you know huge circus tent and you've got a little white a model of a, of a, a white uh, person there a, a human to, to give uh, scale uh this is way different there's a lot more room to do a lot more stuff with a lot more people and a lot more animals in this structure than you would ever get in that tiny little rectangular box model uh oh I think you froze up. Uh, Andy froze up. Hang on a second.
Hmm. I don't know if I can hang up and call back. Let me see what happens. Hang on. Sorry, guys. Andy dropped off here. Still trying to ring him back in. Come on, come on, come on. We were so close. Only, of course, we got nine minutes left in the broadcast, and now he's gone. Let me see. Come on back, Andy. Oh, he he's dropping off as if he's not available. Are you guys having buffering problems again? Is this happening again? Is Houston we have a problem? Is anybody else in the chat room experiencing lag like we had before? I don't know what the deal is. Yes, do I trust this Andy fellow? I do. I do trust him. I've spent uh, quite a bit of time with Andy and have uh, read through a lot of his materials. Of course, I've had him on the show quite a number of times in the past. If people go through my archives, they can see the, the shows that uh, I did with him in the past. He also came to our Bible study fellowship. Oh, Andy's calling me here. Hey, Andy. Hello? Hello? Yes, hello. Hi, you disappeared. Yes, my internet cut out on me. Well, uh, we got about seven minutes left in the broadcast. I'll, I'll put your, I'll put my cell phone up to my headset microphone. So, uh, kind of a MacGyver way of doing this, but we can wrap up the show here. We got about seven minutes left, so whatever you'd like to share with the audience in the next seven minutes, go ahead, and I'll, I'll just uh, let's take a step back here. Okay. Um, I did end up trying to uh, reset the internet, so maybe we'll get back on real quick. But um, oh, where to wrap this up? Um, First of all, where can people get your your information and, and uh, contact you and see? You mentioned webinars and stuff before, so anything you want to plug in that regard, go ahead. Yep. Um, if you go to my homepage, um, we have I have a webinar coming up. Uh, my web website is project314.org, and the um, the basically the first banner at the top will, will, will take you. You click on that, and, and um, it'll it'll take you to the page for the, the webinar registration. Uh, webinar is six weeks. Um, I'm doing the first two weeks on, on basically the, the tabernacle mechanics and, and a little bit more of the, the project intro. Um, I'm uh, the third week. I'm talking about the uh, the human anatomy and how that's tied into the tabernacle as far as the, the Hebrew and all that. Um, uh, there's, there's a lot of just body likeness. Um, uh, there's of course, new Testament texts where they talk about, you know, don't you know that, uh, you, you know, uh, or the body or, or, um, you know, there's, there's the body temple analogies and everything. 
Uh, so these really become apparent once you start looking at the Hebrew and once you start looking at this round model. Uh, let's see, the fourth session, um, fourth session, I'm looking at the priestly garments and the, the, the resemblance of the priestly garments with the tabernacle. Uh, the fifth week, I'm looking at um, going through uh, Vaikra, the first Parsha of Leviticus, talking about all of the uh, animal sacrifices. You know, people have a hard time contextualizing them. Uh, you know, both Jews and Christians, you know, they will take a very dispensational view on that, and um, I guess I'm, I'm looking to, to chime in on that. Um, and then next one, I'm, I'm kind of getting into the, um, the some of the, the Jewish traditions that kind of uh, illustrate this tabernacle, and uh, as well as as um, certain uh, Christology, you know, typology type stuff. Um, so that's that's my. Um, uh, kind of the, the webinar in, in a nutshell. Um, well, let's see. Besides that, uh, of course, you get the the shop. Um, you know, the shop pages. Is, you know, you can get my books, my drawings. Um, I actually have got uh, a PowerPoint, if uh, which is a, a really good self study tool um, for people who um, you know want to want to teach in their own little you know small group of this this type of thing. Um, or you know, churches. It's it's really you know the, the rose people have got one, and I figured, well, I can I can bang one out pretty quick here too. So I've I've got that, which is very much based on my book. It's it's plus reading the book, and it, it goes through a lot of the same content. You know, um, again, a lot of this is contrasting with the shoebox. Um, let's see, what else do we have here? Um, getting into the, um, I was really hoping to. Uh, have this uh, for the visual here, oh, but I'm not seeing the connection back yet. Um, so I guess I'd like to, to kind of close by emphasizing, you know, the importance of this whole Ohel Moed. Again, people are, are, are bent on, on saying, well, I keep the feast, I keep the Torah. Um, well, how are we doing this without the, the tabernacle? You know, again, this, this thing where he said, make this. He said, make this before he starts describing all this stuff to be doing at the feasts. Um, so, you know, the importance of this is, I think, very, very much undermined in our day. But it, a lot of this comes on the coattails of us not having any real understanding of the image. So, um, you know, is this, um, you know, something that we're in, in prophetic times now where, where this is this is part of, of, you know, prophecy fulfillment of restoration? I mean, this is referenced in Ezekiel about the, you know, mentioned the tabernacle when it talks about the two sticks coming together. Well, and it, the tabernacle is made in two half houses, and so you got the northern house and the southern house. You got Judah and Ephraim. You know, so, so getting when these these two, two things to come together, you end up seeing a bunch of sticks that all come into alignment. So it, it's literally, I think, a fulfillment of the two house uh, prophecy. Um, so it talks about the the Mishkan in the um, you know in the in the hills of uh, of uh, you know of, of northern Israel. It sounds like. Um, so let's see. Um, getting into the, uh, the the Levitical things here. Um, well, actually, let me go back to, to say, as far as what, the, what we could use for a project, this is this is not meant to be a spectator sport. This is not meant to be a solo project. It's not Project 314.me. It's, it's Project 314.org. So um, the less that I can do, you know, I'm 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 doing you know a lot of different things. And I'm doing them inefficiently because. Um, you know, in a lot of cases, I have to do stuff myself, and I've got certain 
volunteers. I got a page dedicated to uh, you know people who are volunteering in different capacity. Uh, you know, got uh, um, you know need for artist tech support and all that. I've got a um, you know kind of a, a skill set um, you know um, donation. Uh, when I say donation, contribution thing. When I say um, people who want to actually get involved, if you have certain professions that we're looking to start in, into model building here. Or, yeah, actually, I've got a model, and um, I guess I'd like to talk more about that, but uh, hoping to have that uh, at a congregation here in the Midwest where, where people can look at it in person. I guess uh, yeah, hopefully we can we can do a follow-up at, at some point on this. Um, the other thing I guess I'd like to point out is, you know, there's there's a, there's the Levites, right? Um, you know, so in, uh, in the, the Torah, it talks about the Levites, and everyone thinks they, they get a tenth. Well, they only get a tenth on the third year, like... Uh, it's one year and three is, is when the Levite's tenth was, and um, and I bring this up because you know they're appointed to this this tabernacle work, and so you know this whole idea um, of uh, you know why did the Levites take the position is, is because the rest of the people said you know don't have God speak to us or we'll die, you know so it's like okay fine what you say is okay you know we'll get mediators and these mediators will happen to be Levites. Well, um, I don't know. Um, well, as far as that's uh, we'll, we'll have to. Pick that up on a second broadcast. We can definitely do this again. Uh, we're going to run out of time here in about 10 seconds. So uh, good stuff, man. Really good having you on. Thanks, Andy, for coming. And uh, everybody, project314.org. Check out more. And, Dan- uh, Andy, we'll get you back on, and we'll do a, a part two. All right. Excellent. Thanks, Pastor. All right. Thanks, buddy. And thank you, guys. We'll see you back next week on the Revolutionary Radio Project.